You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Josh Swallow's Broadway. Can you believe it? It's the season finale of season two. I'm here, of course, as always, with my incredible producers, Alan Seals and Elizabeth Wheelis. Hello. Hello. Thank you, thank you so much for all that you do for the show. Today's a very special episode. We have my friend, mentor, colleague, the man who taught me everything about performing and acting and so many others. Craig Cornelia is on the show. Um, he wrote songs for working. He wrote, is there life after high school? He has a new show coming out called poster boy. Um, imaginary friends, many others. He's remarkable. And he has a new book called the reason to sing a guide to acting while singing, which is essentially like taking his very, very famous class. But before we get into that, as it's our season finale, um, I really would like to thank a few people um, who really helped the season. First of all, everybody on Patreon, thank you. But especially Tim Black, Jeff Newman, and David Rimmer. Um, y'all have been so generous that you made season two happen. And we are looking forward to a season three. That's the good news. We're going to keep the Patreon going because that will help us get the show going. Um, so thank you for your donations. That means more Zoom parties, more fun. We're going to be taking a look at the Patreon, taking away some certain things just to make it better for everybody. And so if you're interested in joining and creating season three for us, that's patreon.com slash Josh Swallows Broadway. Alan, Elizabeth, I couldn't do anything without you both. Thank you so much. And thinking about anything goes, because it's Josh Wellows Broadway, stay tuned because we surprised Craig with a very special fan call. I'm not going to give anything away, but her name, her name, her name, her name rhymes with button poster. <laughs> what? <laughs> and going into the episode, you will hear Craig singing his song Flight, which might be one of the most famous audition songs i think on the planet <laughs> and to hear him sing it with his power it is remarkable so thank you for giving us season two thank you for listening thank you for subscribing telling your friends thank you for supporting the broadway podcast network and Woo! here we go 
Josh Swallow's Broadway season finale. Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Broadway! Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Broadway! Let me run through a field in the night Let me lift from the ground till my soul is in flight let me sway like the shade of a tree Let me swirl like a cloud In a storm on the sea Wish me on my way Through the dawning day I wanna flow, wanna rise, wanna spill Wanna grow on the side of the hill Wanna shift like a wave rolling on Wanna drift from the path I've been traveling upon before I am gone. Listen to that. Okay, that was the incredible Craig Cornelia, who I told you about in the intro, singing his song, Flight which um, is a song that I think means the world to most anyone who has ever heard it or sung it. Um, it was my first audition song when I came to New York. Ladies and gentlemen, the incredible composer, teacher, writer, lyricist, genius, Craig Carnelia. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Josh. It is so great to see you. It's so wonderful to see you. And also, like... I love that clip because there's something about you when you do your material that is so raw and it it reminds me why I ever moved to New York to want to be a performer. Um, I'll never forget being in your class when I sang that song and you accompanied me on the piano. It It was... It was out of another world. And um, now, dear listeners, Craig has been the go-to teacher for musical theater, in my opinion, um, for the past, like, over 20 years um, with some incredible students on, on your roster. Um, and now you have this incredible new book that I'm obsessed with called The Reason to Sing. A Guide to Acting While Singing, which was brilliant. Congratulations on your oh, new thank book. You. Thank you, Josh. I'm really proud of it. What inspired you to write it? I knew I, I knew for the last 10 years that I wanted to write it. But as you know, um, I stopped teaching my New York classes in 2017 to um, move to Missouri to be with my wife. She had just gotten a, uh, a position here as a professor in acting at uh, Missouri State University and um, since I had wanted to close down my classes so that I could just be a writer doing the two things at once uh, while they feed each other uh, the the actually the administrating of the classwork is um, was so demanding that um, it was hard to find time to uh, to, uh, to, to, to do all the writing I wanted to do. And so I didn't have time to write the book. I also, I didn't know everything 
I obviously to myself needed to know in order to be able to write the book. I mean, I learned a lot in class over the years with you guys. Um, it actually was 25 years exactly wow. uh, when I taught those classes. And um, uh, I wanted the book to, to put down in book form what, what you would get if you'd taken class with me for, say, a year. Uh, I wanted it to be a class, a long class, that that and and I wanted the tone of it to be as if I were speaking to the student specifically to the reader um, and to uh, I've kept the the book brief it's uh, two hundred pages uh, it could have been twice that it could have been three times that I kept it brief because I found as I was writing that I I am a, a lyricist as you know. And a, a big part of our trade, the lyric writing trade, is concision. And to say something explosive or meaningful or useful or beautiful or funny uh, in a, a short number of words, um, uh, something I'm actually not accomplishing in this answer. Uh, <laughs> so the, the book has a, has a succinct almost lyric writing quality to it in that it, it expresses its ideas um, succinctly. It's remarkable. I've been doing a lot of teaching over the past year. And, you know, before I do any sort of teaching, I always think back to our time in class and to the individuals that you helped. And also, like, the permission to just be. Oh, That's so much of the work has already been done. An example, you go through a number of songs in your book that um, one, specifically, I have a few examples, is the incredible song, What Is It About Her, from mm. Lippa's Wild Party, which is a phenomenal song, but also maybe one of the most popular audition songs that I know of. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, And I might misquote you a little bit, sure. but... Um, you say in the book that the music is so persuasive, it'll coax the actor into playing ferocious or gritty, mm -hmm. which is so true. I've seen many productions, and as talented as the performer is, it almost becomes an act of lunacy and jumping around the stage and, you know, trying to become a beast, mm -hmm. where... You talk about the build of the song. Um, one thing that I that I love that you wrote was the character of Burrs is most likely a full-blown addict who seems to enjoy the pain of his addiction. But most of us have not walked that path. So what we can do as performers is lean on our own experience with an obsessive relationship. An example you wrote, um, you know, that, that X that you text over and over again after you break up and taking those sorts of experiences and leaning it into the song. As you also say, the song itself is ferocious and gritty and already has a build, all work done by the writer. So where do we as the performer come in and put our own twist or take on the song, put our own truth into the material? If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I chose the song. It's actually the first song I refer to in the book. And um, uh, Andrew's a dear friend, and actually had had loaned me a, a place on a lake to to start the project. So uh, I was I was uh, at his house for for two weeks by myself in the middle of winter. Uh, it was fantastic. There was nothing to do but but look at the lake and eat and. Um, and write, think, and it was uh, so. For that reason, and for the for the, for, for the the reason you said, uh, which I'll get to in a moment, I chose to start with this song. The 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 thing that you talked about first was that the music is so persuasive that it coaxes the actor into playing the tone of the music. But as you read throughout the book, and as you see through um, vast experience in musical theater. Most songs have a tone that may or may not have to do with the action of the song. And we are very, very often drawn into that tone and are, are, are mistakenly in belief that we're, we're supposed to perform that tone or to match it. And really, that will be there, that tone, whether we... Um, perform it or not. In fact, it'll be there better if we play action. And what I was saying about the difference between the singer's life and and the character's life is that the the it's 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 very likely that the singer has not experienced uh, all of life and all of insanity, all of the insanity and self destruction that Burrs has experienced. In particular, because this song is a favorite of young men, so you'll, you'll often see an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 22-year-old singing this song, and not to um, uh, in any way make less of what an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 22-year-old experiences. Um, I, for one, was was far darker when I was 18 than I am now, in terms of my spirit and how I was experiencing life. But we, when we're young and we're, we're, we're taking on this, this adult song that also travels in a, uh, in a world that we don't know or haven't lived, we think we're supposed to put something on, kind of like, like putting on a costume piece, uh, mm-hmm. pretending to be um, something we're not. And, and paradoxically, when an 18-year-old boy tries to act like a crazed addict uh, singing a passionate song about, about, about uh, self-destruction and love, he will end up looking like a child pretending to be an adult. Whereas if, if that 18-year-old boy sings about his own obsession with somebody, um, my brother, for instance, Odd, he would come up here. My my brother had a uh, what do they call those those books, black books that you write in? Well, they're called um, writing something. They're they're old fashioned. A, a black book bound that you write in, and it's got these like white varicose veins on the cover. Okay. Composition book. That's what it's called. Anyhow, my brother had one of those, and he had drilled a hole in it so he could put a padlock in the book, so you couldn't see what was inside, and only he could open the lock. And the book was a love-hate book. 
And every, I think every week, he would put who he loved and who he hated. And there was a whole period of a year when, when Warner Brothers was at the top of the hate list. And the reason for the hate was that the actor, Ed Burns, had been taken off, or rather had not been re-signed for the show 77 Sunset Strip. And Jimmy had loved being alone in the room watching Ed Burns on 77 Sunset Strip. That is every bit as insane as anything Burns has ever done. It's insane. Yeah. I hate Warner Brothers because I used to feel something watching Ed Burns on 77 Sunset Strip, and now I can't see that. Yeah. That's crazy, and it's wonderful, and it's how we are. And, 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 and so there's a, and he wasn't even 18, he was 14, 15 when he, when he wrote that. That is, that is Burr's, that, 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 or rather that obsession is what the song's about. So if you were to play action, if he were to sing that song at 14 and play action, the action being, what is it about Ed Burns? I want to figure out why, why this is so important, why this is, why this is tearing me up, why I have to put Warner Brothers at the top of the hate list every week. What, 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 and the notion is that the, the misbelief that the, 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 the actor, the character uh, has is, is, if I can figure this out, I won't be in pain about it. Mm. Now, that's not true. But that doesn't matter because the character thinks it's true, or he wouldn't be singing the song. He would Absolutely. be just singing, I'm driven crazy by this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, this morning I was taking a look through your book again and sort of just like putting myself in the shoes of the students in a way, like what would I be doing in this moment? And, right. you know, like I'm going through a bit of a, not a friendship breakup, but it could be that, but for whatever reason, I can't stop thinking about it and I want to yeah. fix it, but I can't. Right. And so when I was thinking about what it is, what is it about her? Like it made me upset. It, it made me angry. It made me want to cry. It made me want to do all these things that Burrs talks about in the song. But the beauty, you know, is when you can take truth you don't have to pretend. You don't mm -hmm. have to create some quality. Like, performers spend a great deal of time trying to be who they think the the person in the room wants them to be. Absolutely. And the person in the room wants them to be thrilling, wants yeah. them to be intoxicating, wants them to be uh, so special that all the other pictures and resumes get pushed to the side for that role. Yeah. And then that the people behind the table can be comfortable knowing they've filled that role. Absolutely. That's what they want. They don't want you to pretend to be what they think they want. Mm -hmm. And there's no way for you to know what they think they want. I'm stressing the word think because it's not what they want. It's what they think they want. And you couldn't possibly know what that is because any effort they make to express what that is, is, is so confusing and clumsy or uh, 
prescriptive, like uh, must be six feet tall. Well, I tell you, if somebody 5'9 comes in and they are brilliant, they will change that idea even. And that would seem to be non-negotiable. Mm. Nothing's non-negotiable. You need to go in the room and set it on fire with just how present you are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I even got worked up just talking to you about it, being like, I'm ready to go into Ripley Greer and <laughs> saying, what is it about her right now? Where are you at, Telsey? Um, <laughs> That's, is, that, is that where we met? We met at uh, Ripley Greer. And we met, I was in, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this stuff. I was in a very abusive relationship working as a phone sex operator in Philadelphia. And I got my first equity job, which was Jekyll and Hyde, starring Andy Carl and your student, Lynette Knapp. Mm. And Lynette was one of the sweetest, kindest people in the world. We shared a train up to New York because I was going to some horrific open call. And um, I just asked if I could pick her brain and say, like, I'm really scared of moving to New York. I don't know what to do. I don't think I'm good enough. And she literally was like, okay, and took out a piece of paper and wrote down your name and number and said, oh, great. call Craig. Thank and you. I was, you know terrified starstruck being like call craig carnelia like all i am is just josh layman you know <laughs> um but we met at ripley greer we sang through my book you looked at my resume and i forget exactly what you said but it was something like okay you're exactly where you need to be right now yeah. and um as soon as a spot in class opened up, I jumped at it, and it became my first group of friends that I ever had in New York. It was me, um, Katie Diamond. Um, she had a different last name then. But I remember watching you coach her for her final callbacks for Pirate Queen. Oh, yes. And, oh, my gosh. It was just like, this is your job. And sure enough, she booked it right after that. Oh, that's great. Um, and also being in a class with everyone from people like me, you know, at the time with a couple Philadelphia credits, but not much, to, you know, I wasn't in class with her, but, you know, Sutton Foster or Aaron Tveit, you know, all the names that you think of and sort of like makes you shrivel when you first move to New York because you feel like you're not good enough. Well, at the time that you moved to New York, Aaron was probably uh, in junior high. And, um, <laughs> and when he started with me, uh, he was really just a, a, a boy becoming a man and uh, brilliantly talented. And, you know, I have... A, I, with with many of my students like yourself who uh, who have become successful and done so much good work and so much work that people know I'm I always think back to the job they didn't get before they started getting good jobs and how how passionate and and the disappointment is, was so palpable. Um, just, uh, um, uh, Aaron didn't get the prince in, uh, in Little Mermaid. He came in second. And 
to actually another student from a different class. But um, he uh, he came in second, and he thought he he thought that was his job, and it could have been uh, had they done a different a different kind of casting. Um, and very shortly thereafter, uh, he took off. Um, you know, starting with Next to Normal. But um, no, I remember that happening with Brandon Uranowitz as well. I mean, the, the, a show based on the film Diner was around for years, and mm -hmm. every time they'd do a workshop, they'd call him for the Paul Reiser role, and they'd have him audition again because they never were quite satisfied with him, and they'd bring him in, and they'd say, oh, okay, all right, we'll do this workshop with you or this production. And then something happened where they... They moved on to another actor, and he thought, that's it, that's it, it's all over. And, uh, you know, a minute later, he's, he's uh, Brandon Uranowitz. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's so... Another way that that could have gone in, any, in either of those cases, and I've seen it happen, is that people stop. Now, in Aaron's case, in Brandon's case, they knew enough about themselves. They that they, they just knew, I have to keep doing this. But very, very often, you, you've seen it, you, you have friends uh, who, who just say, I can't, I, can't, I can't do this. I had a student come to me, um, I won't say her name because the, the first story is, 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 is derogatory about her. She came to me when she had just been fired as the, as the swing in Wicked on the road. Oh, they cast yes. She got there. They said, oh, you, 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 you can't. No, no. And they fired her. So back from San Diego or wherever the hell they were that week, it's in New York. And in that frail, vulnerable condition, she washed up in class. You know, here I am, half alive, wondering what I should do. And um, she, she cured herself, and she just kept going, you know? And she, she's actually been nominated for Tony Awards. Um, she's phenomenal. She? I joined oh, you know. Wicked. Yeah, I joined Wicked right in the city after that happened. Oh, you knew about that then? Oh, yes. And <clears throat> it should have been my first clue that maybe it wasn't going to be the safest of work right, environments. Right. right. Um, but I remember on my break, uh, I had a layoff during the run where I went to go see her starring in a Broadway show. <laughs> yes, of course. And it was after, you know, months of being with Wicked at that point, And I was like, oh, fuck you, Wicked. Look at her now. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's true. Even especially today, I think all performers right now are feeling a bit of that moment of when like Rose in act two of gypsy says, I had another dream. You'll like this one. Oh. The cow came up and said, move over Rose, you know, where it's hard to keep going, but you gave us permission in class to, to mourn it and move on oh. and to build. Oh. Um, I mean, I'm still friends with everybody that I, took class with whether i took class with them for a week or a year well you know that 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 was one of the the surprises and ultimately one of the 
hidden talents uh, of putting together my classes. I had a, an instant detector. I have an instant detector for people who are not going to be supportive of each other. And I just, I, 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 when I'd audition people one-on-one -on -one in a room, I would very often write the word no before they opened their mouths, hmm. simply because of behavior. Um, and, you know, it's possible they would then contradict that behavior in the next 10 minutes, but not, not, not often. And sometimes just seeing how someone would interact with someone out in the waiting room before the audition, I would know that I wouldn't want to have them in class because well, let's say you were up there performing in front of those eight or nine classmates for 25 minutes, you're getting, um, you're getting uh, an energy from those people. And if part of that energy is, I couldn't care about his session because only my session matters, or worse, I hope he fails because if he fails, it makes me feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, those aren't um, attractive things, but our, 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 our business seems to breed those kind of things, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it invites them, or one has to invite the other, because um, you, have to, you have to stay a human being um, and, and not think that if someone gets a part, that means you'll never get a part. Yeah. You know, it, it's, um, and our, our, as I say, the business, the business breeds it. Yeah, it does. Um, and it was that support that I think allowed people to open themselves. Yeah. Um, and I mean, going back to your incredible book, one, one section that really got to me, I think because we worked on it in class was performing the song, How Glory Goes from the beautiful Floyd Collins. Mm -hmm. And I was having, I had such a block because I'm not religious. Mm. I didn't know how to ask God what anything was, especially mm. at the time, I think I had a resentment towards God. Of course. Yes. But I did lose a very, very dear friend of mine, um, Jorge Maldonado, way, way too young. And being able to use that and to sing to him and ask, genuinely mm. ask him, what is it like mm. when, when we're gone? Mm. And after that, I, I immediately was like, oh, this belongs in my book. Oh, that's great. That is one of the ways to come at that song. It's interesting, when you were talking just now, um, before you started talking about singing to the friend who had died, you said uh, you didn't believe in God, and then you said you had a resentment toward God. Uh, and isn't that a wonderful contradiction? Mm -hmm. So I'm not suggesting uh, we should all believe in a higher power. Um, it was a long time before I ever believed in such a thing. Uh, I don't believe in a God. I do believe in, a, in something that's bigger than us. Not mm. that it necessarily is watching over us, um, but something that's bigger than us. I, I can't be in a, in a thunderstorm uh, without believing there's something bigger than us. Right. Uh, you know, we're, we're tiny. But um, 
back to the song, that um, contradiction of I don't believe in a higher power and I have a resentment toward whatever higher power there is, that confusion, um, uh, that contradiction, and that resentment, um, imagine if you were to sing the song to that not believing, to the, not, the thing you don't believe in, the thing you don't believe in that you also have a resentment toward, um, and ask, because there's nowhere else to go, um, when we go, when we find any kind of a higher power, or when we find that we want to believe in something, it's because there's nothing else. And that's indeed where this boy is. Um, and even though you're not singing the song in the context of the play, um, you are in a situation where you've been brought to your knees by circumstance, and you have nowhere else to look. Um, mm. You you seem uh, changing subjects. You seem that you may not mention uh, how else we've worked together, but I, I want to mention to your uh, to your listeners and watchers, to your audience, that uh, Josh and I also have done uh, a musical together. Josh is uh, playing a very important role in a, a new show of mine called Poster Boy, which is um, was scheduled to go into rehearsal uh, at the Public Theater in January of 21, and uh, of course no one went into rehearsal January of 21. So we're not currently on the schedule, but we are in the plans at the Public Theater. Anyhow, Josh plays a beautiful role. Uh, we've done a number of workshops um, together, and he plays a just a brilliant character and sings gloriously in the show. Mm -hmm. has two songs that are pretty much his, and um, there's nobody like Josh Lehman. Uh, just uh, you, you took ownership of that, of that role, and um, what a was this for me to work with uh, a student uh, in a production of something I've written. Uh, there are there are there are two former students in that. Uh, I say former because I've worked with then a couple of the cast members. Uh, in after I've worked with them in a workshop, I've worked with them in class. But you and and uh, Noah Zachary uh, had been longtime students, and uh, both have roles in this show. And uh, what a joy it is! It's it's not that there's a shorthand between us. Uh, I mean, I am not the director; I'm the composer lyricist. But there is a um, a way of working that uh, my writing tends to uh, embrace. Um, or my writing tends to ask for, and that's the way of working that we've worked in class, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, I'm crying. Uh, Poster Boy, I think, is one of the most special shows I've ever worked on. Um, I can't wait for people to see it. And working on it with you, we got to do this incredible retreat out in Martha's Vineyard and work on the show up there, living in some... Artist compound. <laughs> yes, it was astounding, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was amazing. You woke up in a beautiful environment and you went to work. And, and it, was, um, it was so special. It's. It, it's. It's still. Uh, it was a couple of years ago now. It was still. It's still my favorite artistic experience I've had. Same. Uh, Even our. Um, we we did like a little Zoom workshop at the. I want to say, like, towards the beginning 
of mm-hmm. the pandemic mm-hmm. where it was it's just, just go ahead. No, what you were going to say is better. Go ahead. Oh, I mean, it was just thrilling to connect like that, especially mm. regarding what the show's about. Right. And um, I'll, I'll never forget any of it. And also to be able to communicate with you how I feel about a role and what you're writing and, and how we combine it together, you became not just like, you know, a friend, a teacher, a mentor, but also like a, a colleague, Yeah, absolutely. which is something that I never dreamed would really oh, happen. Thank you. And I think so many of us feel that way. In fact, Alan... Speaking of past students, do you have a little something that we can show? Hi, Craig. Andrew Samonski here. Hey, Craig. Devin Goffman here. Hi. I'm Morgan James. Hi. It's Anna Lee. Hey, Craig. It's Brandon Pearson. Hey, Craig. It's Haley Pachoon. A quote. It's like he saw inside of me where I belong, what I could be. And in the flashing of the neon, I could swear that he could see what's really there. That's what it was like to be in your class. I was thinking about why you're the most important teacher that I've ever had. And I think it's because you were able to show that what I thought was so shameful and so scary and so messy about myself was in fact so beautiful and so important to share. You've taught me more than any human being I've ever met in my life. Formative years, I look back and I think Craig Carnelia taught me how to act. It was a time when I really, really desperately wanted to be seen and understood, and Craig got me. He just kind of saw me and um, would assure me in his very Carnelian way um, that I was gonna be okay, that I was gonna make it, that somebody was gonna figure me out. I spent many a magical day with Josh in your special class, learning how to be a better actor, but more than that, learning how to be a better human. You always said this and it sticks with me. Don't just make faces. Anybody can just make faces, but go deep, find the truth, use your life experience and create your honest, truthful reality. Thank you so much for being the amazing teacher that you are and were. I'm so thankful I got to be a part of your class. Congratulations again. All right, I love you guys. Hope you're great. I miss you, Craig. Thank you for all you've taught me and all you do. I love you and thank you. I miss you so much, Craig. Bring back class. Bring back the class. (laughs) that is so beautiful thank you we love you so much and my favorite thing you know that of course beloved noah zachary you're saying bring back the class and then he goes away (laughs) to the stars (laughs) oh that's so beautiful but what i love is like you did bring back the class with your book Oh, and, hopefully I have, um, yes. You have. It's remarkable. You know, that section. I remember being in class when Andrew Szymanski, um got the role of Lieutenant Cable and mm. you worked on Younger Than Springtime. Um, what, what you wrote in the book is incredible, but I'd love to hear your take now that I just brought it up. 
Well, we younger than springtime, very much like like um, uh, what is it about her uh, invites a tone, but even more because it was written in the day when people sometimes performed a tone. Uh, and and in the case of Lieutenant Cable singing Younger Than Springtime, the the tone is handsome young man with his shirt off singing beautifully to a beautiful young woman, uh, it, which is it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. And it then we're simply left with the sound and the picture. The sound being a beautiful song, and the picture being an attractive couple. And that's not what Lieutenant Cable is doing. What, you know, Andrew Samonsky, who is every inch a leading man, a uh, handsome, well, he played the role, you know, a guy who, who can actually take his shirt off on stage, and, and you think, wow, that's a great-looking man. Um, he spoke, Andrew, just now about those things in himself that, that he thought were, I think he used the word, shameful. Well, that's what Lieutenant Cable is. He grew up in the same world that Andrew Samosky grew up in, where, where men are told not to be, to, to be shown wanting anything, not to be shown as vulnerable, not to be shown as soft. Soft is, 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 is the worst thing you can be. And through years and years of training, Lieutenant Cable, and then through years of defense of, 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 of how he wards off whatever um, horrors he sees in war, he, he has become separated from anything he feels. And what Liat does, the, the, the young woman in the scene, what happens with her is that through being with her through making love to her he feels in in hammerstein's words being here with you has made me my, me myself feeling younger than springtime and what he means is you have revived me you have restored me you have saved me um that and so what he's saying to her i've written only a couple of love songs specifically for uh, people. I've written two for my wife, and uh, I wrote one for another woman back a bunch of time ago, back around the time that video of Flight came around, uh, which was my early 40s. Um, and being a writer and writing, having written quite a number of love songs, a bunch of them in uh, Sweet Smell of Success, we know going in that writing, when writing a love song, you are going to fail. And the reason you're going to fail is that the thing being spoken of is so indefinable and so important to you that nothing you possibly can do can live up to the feeling. You can't take the feeling out and hand it to the person. So you are trying to express it. And if you look at Younger Than Springtime, that's what he's doing. He's trying, trying to express that she has saved him, that he loves her, okay. that she has transformed him. And it doesn't need to successfully do that. It is the attempt that is beautiful. And the attempt is the action. The, the, the attempt is the action in, in, in the song you were talking about, Adam Gettle's song, um, uh, uh, um, How Glory Goes the attempt to contact a higher power 
the attempt to contact your dead friend and to get an answer. That's an attempt, and it's an almost impossible one. The chances of actually getting an answer. I mean, if you've ever tried something like that, a, a, a real prayer, I'm, I'm asking you for an answer. I'm asking, what do I do? Well, you may have an understanding of your situation three days later, but you're not going to have a, 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 something chiseled on stone. It's going to be soft. It's going to be something within you that then is changed. Um, so, if you seeing Andrew just now, I, 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 I have certain students where I, that the way in which they were acting and then the way they understood and became, the actors they became, taught me so much in what's possible and in, 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 in the bargain, taught them how to become frankly, more fully themselves, more fully, more fully a person. So he, Andrew may play any number of characters. I, I actually worked on dozens of characters with him, but they're always derived from Andrew, and they're always more colorful than they would have been had he not used Andrew. So in a sense, there's a, a greater um, array of characters and people he can be simply by using himself. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to Josh Swallow's Broadway. I really hope you enjoyed the commercials. Um, but now it's my favorite point of the call where we get a fan call um, from somebody anywhere around the world. This fan is currently in the U.K., in London. And... Um, they have a special question for us. They don't know who they're talking to. This is always fun. All right. Alan, Elizabeth, bring in the fan call. Craig, hi. <laughs> oh, hi, Sutton. <laughs> I, 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 um, I didn't know about this. Well, I'm your biggest fan, so it's only, it's only appropriate that that I am here. And I, um, I, I, you know, you are um, you are the, the the best teacher I've ever had, and one of the most incredible songwriters I've I've ever known. And um, and now I'm like I have to ask you a question. <laughs> I have to ask you a burning question. I'll let you um, think about your question. 
<laughs> I, I'm writing a show with John Weidman, and he told me recently that uh, he's so lucky to have you uh, reprise your brilliant role of Reno Sweeney in Anything Goes. Is that what you're doing right now? Yeah, we start rehearsals tomorrow. So oh, you are yeah, so I'm great in that show, and uh, I'm glad they were able to get you. It it all happened very last minute, um, uh -huh. but okay. uh, I yeah I'm still I'm still sort of processing the fact that uh, we start rehearsals and but I'm I'm excited I'm excited to to dive back in. Um, you have your family with you. Yes, uh -huh. you missed them. My daughter was having a meltdown about couscous and chicken. Um, the reason I was late was because I was in the middle of dinner and I was so proud of myself for like making dinner and like roasting the broccoli and like, and then I look yeah. at my phone and I'm like, shit. I was like so proud of myself for like not looking at my phone and like focusing on dinner. And then I just. Knowing like, Josh's podcast, I would say we would have loved to have seen the cooking and certainly, <laughs> And certainly the meltdown, and and she oh. wouldn't she wouldn't be the first one to melt down. Probably on uh, Josh Wall's Broadway, it probably happens every episode. Every episode, I'm a I monster. Oh. <laughs> it just showed that Sutton's the best mommy in the world. Oh, you and, are. I'm sure. Um, what a lucky kid. She was like, I didn't want the chicken. I just <laughs> wanted the couscous. I'm like, okay, you can have the couscous. <laughs> Fabulous. That is fabulous. And, and you know what? She's passionate like you. And uh, <laughs> oh. what we know, though we artistic types uh, that maybe our parents didn't know, is that this is wonderful. They're, they're, they, they are passionate about the food, you know, and that means they'll be passionate about life and that that's great. And we, yeah. we, we not only accept that, we embrace it. I mean, my daughter, who you know, Daisy, who's now 25, um, I, I, I never minded when she was doing that stuff. I mean, I'm, as a father, it was inconvenient as a, as a, 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 a traveler of the planet. I'm thrilled that my daughter felt comfortable, uh, being an idiot, and <laughs> making, making a fuss and being so dramatic and meaning it. I mean, it's it's the whole key to everything, and uh, it's what you do so brilliantly. By the way, thank you. <laughs> she's um, we are introducing her to uh, movie musicals, and she's currently on an Oliver, an Oliver kick, and a Hello Dolly, and wow. West Side Story. Wow! And um, there's there's another one too, but she she goes around, and Oliver is perfect because we're in London, and now she's walking around the house going, I. Do everything. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. I'm like, oh gosh! <laughs> like, oh, that's so, wonderful. Yeah, it's oh. pretty good. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with the Little Shop of Horrors movie, but I would repeat all the lines. And Mr. Mushnick had a line that was like, "There's bums on the sidewalk. My life is a living hell." And so, whenever my <gasps> like teachers would be like, "Hi, Joshy, how are you?" I'd be like, "My life is a living hell." Oh, I'm thinking that I was being clever. And my parents were like, you can't say that. You can't. Craig. Well, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yes. When you're working with a new student or someone who is, might have, shall we say, a lot of energy and volume, 
but maybe doesn't really fully understand <laughs> how she uh, or he or they interpret um, lyrics or words or real real meaning of a song, but but have sort of a raw a raw talent. How how do you um, what is your way in? The first way in would be to find out who the student is and how they connect to that song. Once having done that, you take away the things they think are their strength. <laughs> you ask them to whisper and to stand perfectly still. And if the song means something to them, they will be surprised by how much they feel and they will have an experience of feeling that while singing that material however however quietly by whispering i don't mean singing softly and beautifully i mean singing softly with just the barest amount of voice because what will happen is that instead of the voice since they've been robbed of it they will use their heart they have no choice Oh my God, I want to start whispering everything. Right <laughs> the sun will come out. <laughs> Good question, Sutton. That's the best fan question we've ever had. No offense, well, other fans. But look at the quality of the fan. I mean, we are fans <laughs> of our fan. It's amazing. It's um, It's a dream come true. Sutton, like... When I first started class, knowing that you were a student like me, you know, I, I felt so empty and so lost in New York. And so like, you know, Craig and I were talking earlier of like, who could ever learn to love a beast, you know, <laughs> and but also knowing like Sutton takes classes and oh, P.S. Guess who saw you as Sandy in Greece in Las Vegas? Really? Yeah, you were on the national tour, and it was oh my the gosh. funniest, most brilliant performance. I'll bet. I remember it to this day. And mm. I think it was David Josephberg that was like, yeah, you know, it was Sandy, right? <laughs> and um, I died. <laughs> oh, that's very funny. Gosh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah but I saw it at the Aladdin Hotel. She was amazing. It was like Olivia Newton-John meets Sutton meets Lucio Ball meets everything. And it was so, it was the first time that like Sandy was like a real human uh, and, you know, like a real teenager in love. Absolutely. And what you get from Sutton is you get this brilliant, beautiful, confident woman who at some time lived the life of someone who was insecure and maybe klutzy and who, who, but what's great about that is people who always knew they were beautiful don't have the experience of having lived under a rock. Mm -hmm. Those of us who've lived under rocks, we lift the rock and we come out. I mean, we may look like shit having been under the rock, but we're going to be fucking interesting. Are we not? Yes. <laughs> when, you, when you came back to class between uh, Millie 
and and uh, little women. I um, you had not been in this particular class for a while, and I said to the it was the Monday afternoon, and I said to the to the students one week, oh, next week um, we're going to be having a new student back in class, and uh, it's Sutton Foster. And one of them said to the other one, it said to another one in the front row, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, Sutton Foster is going to be in this class. And Josh also alluded to it because he, he said, you kept studying. Everybody keeps studying. Everybody who's good. Um, I mean, when you're doing a show, you probably never miss a voice lesson, which, by the way, my classes weren't. That's something else, vocal training. People continue to study. We continue to have our, our, ourselves uh, challenged to become even better. Plus, one of the mysteries of doing eight shows a week is not that those of you who are great ever do it by rote, ever, but you are essentially using the same muscles every night and you have all of these other muscles. And unless you work them out, they're not going to be ready for you. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, at your level, Sutton, you're going to get your next job by an offer, but most people are going to have to go in and audition. And if they've been just doing one thing for two years, however rambunctious and, and, and expansive that one thing might be, they haven't been doing that other thing. And uh, so, yes, people keep studying. I, I, on the other hand, as your teacher, as Aaron Tveit's teacher, uh, as Anna Lee Ashford's teacher, I'm all, I was always surprised when I'd get a phone call. Yes, we used to use the phone. Um, and I was always surprised to hear from one of you that you wanted to come back to class. Uh, um, it, was, it, was, it was such a great reminder for those people who were just in their first Broadway show or maybe covering a good part or, or in the ensemble. And it was so great for everyone to see, oh, you keep working, you keep studying. It let them see that where they were was a part of a process as well. Yeah. And while they had just made that, that wonderful leap from not having ever been on Broadway to being able to put that magic word on your resume, they could know this isn't the last stop, even though we all think this is not, nobody's ever going to be fooled by me again. No one's ever going to hire me again. Um, but of course they are. Of course they are. But we should let Sutton go because she didn't know she was in for all of this. You know, I just, I love you so much, Craig. I truly oh. do. And I'm so grateful to you. You taught me how to be you. an actor. You taught me, you've taught you, you changed my life. And it was the reason I kept coming back to you. I was, I was, you were a therapist, a teacher, a friend. And I, 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 I am so happy that you're happy. And I'm, but I, would, I would still take your class to this day if you lived, if you were still teaching in thank, New York. Thank you. I would, I would be honored to be your student forever. Oh, so I just, I just truly love you so much. And, oh, and I'm, you. I love you, know. you back. Knock them dead in London, okay? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really, I do feel like the insecure, wobbly girl. So I'm going to have to find my badass again. But I, I think she's in there somewhere, but it's, it might take me a while. She's there. <laughs> You're amazing. You're nailing it. You are nothing but light and love. The okay. badass is always there, Sutton. She will okay. never leave you. Goodbye. Bye-bye, okay. <laughs> everyone. Bye.
song that you mentioned in your book, and I loved this section, was I Could Have Danced All Night. Uh-huh. And the idea of playing happy uh-huh. and pretending to be happy. And um, I, I know I'm going to misquote you, but how like that could turn into you like being the happiness of five people, uh-huh. which isn't realistic. And the way that you broke down what Eliza's life was up until that point and what that feels like. Um, an example, let me pull up my notes. Um, you know, uh, what does Eliza have? What does she want? Uh, her origin of living, you know, shabby home, selling flowers, no education. And now, who are the men in her life? And up until this moment, or the moment before, she's with this asshole professor who's just verbally terrible to her. And then they have a breakthrough, which leaves them giddy, unguarded, and joyous. And you wrote, and then they touch. And what does that do to Eliza? What does that do to her body, more importantly, which I found fascinating? And how that leads into the I could have danced all night, where it's not just smiling and singing I could have danced all night over and over again, but there's so many layers of of joy and shame and excitement. And am I allowed to feel this? I want to feel it again. Well, that, that's the thing, you know, what it does to our bodies. And when we are using any kind of a preparation, we're actually altering what's happening in our bodies. Um, we're, we're, we're changing uh, the way our blood's moving. And nothing, uh, well, the... the, the the purpose of a of a good preparation is to is to cause that to happen in you, and if uh, what I wrote about uh, I could have danced all night is thinking of a rapturous moment, which which we do all the time. We 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 play those moments with people all the time um, in our heads, and if you do replay just one one single moment with someone. That was rapturous. And sing the beginning of that song. In that feeling, you will be doing a better record of dance all night than if you were pretending to be happy. Um, it it shouldn't sound like like it sounds less mind-blowing than I think the truth is where it's like just just use your experiences and what that does to you and let that take you through the song well it's what has happened it's what's happened to her you talked about them touching in the song but what's peculiar about the way they touch in the song it's it's not intimate it's playful they're doing a stupid dance to a stupid song that they're making up about the fact that she's just broken through. It's why it's such a pleasure for the audience because it's so 
it's so uncharacteristic for all of them to be playing. We've never seen them do that. And in fact, the, the dancing that they do is, 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 is meant as part of that game. But they actually touch. And there's an electricity. Ah, who knows? There may have been for him as well. But there's an electricity for her. She's never, she's probably never had that. Uh, and not because she's not experienced in life, but because she's probably never been with, I don't think she's ever felt for a man what she feels for, for Higgins. Um, something you, you, when you were talking about the, 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 about Eliza and her life, what's interesting about her home of origin and her, her, her meager living that she makes selling flowers in the gutter and, and all the trappings of her poor life is that she knows herself to be better than that. Yeah. She knows there's more. So it's, it's really the, the converse of what so many of us feel. It's, it's the converse of the, of the, of the, of the uh, imposter uh, syndrome, where we show up first day of rehearsal feeling like we're a fraud, thinking, oh, they made a mistake, and they're going to know it by the end of the day. I'm going to be out of here. What's the opposite? She's selling flowers in the gutter, and she's seeing herself selling flowers in a beautiful shop. And that's wonderful. She knows that she's, it's how she found the courage to, to go to his doorstep and say, I want to take lessons. Yeah. You know? I mean, to show up at his doorstep in her best clothes, which are still, it's still junk. It has been, hasn't been cleaned <laughs> ever, you know. Uh, and she has the guts to show up there and say, I want to take lessons. Yeah, uh, that's that's because she thinks she's better than the life she's living, um, which is how you get somewhere. That's how yeah. she gets somewhere. Now, tell me, is it true that Sutton brought in "Gimme Gimme" before anybody else had really heard it? Yeah, it is. That's incredible. Yeah, it was. It was, and and you know, we we all know the song and and the. The, the very crafty uh, musical build that's in it, uh, which is very musicianly and, and uh, accurate to, to a build of emotion. Um, but I recall, as I do with, with any song that's there for the first time, the player, uh, you know, having to feel their way through it and see what that is. Uh, but yes, it is. And um, she hadn't done it yet for them. They had just given it to her. Um, and I think I write in the book that I know I write in the book that that um, the point I, I made in the book was that I had seen many many young women year after year after year after that bring that song in and and coincidentally they were singing the song in the same room on the same spot that Sutton was singing it but they weren't seeing it as a new song they were seeing it as something. Um, that was now famous that they had to rise to. And the newness is something we always need to find in our songs. Hmm. Um, that, not find, but understand that while, when we're, when we're singing that song, it's new. We, it's not a big old famous song that now we're putting our stamp on. It is something we are saying for the first time, and it's never been said before. The writers don't mean 
don't mean the song to be something that would be reinterpreted many times over. They, theater writers mean the song to be lived in as if you're making it up, which doesn't mean uh, that writers want you to change the material. We absolutely don't. It means the closer you can get to the rawness of this has never been said before by me, by anyone, by this character, uh, the, the better you will be. Hmm. That's amazing. Um, what do you love, I think, about writing musicals and working with students? What drew you to it? I always knew I wanted to do that. Uh, and then uh, uh, came to a time in my life when I, when I thought I have to do this. And I always knew I wanted to teach. And I also had done enough. I, I started teaching right at the beginning of my 40s. And I started teaching because I, 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 I had found working with with actors that the thing they were doing if they were if they were really acting the thing they were doing was they were retracing their steps to where the writer was um to where the writer was before the song was written um i write right in the beginning of the book right at the preface that the basic theory of the book or the theory of the approach i have to writing to acting is that we as writers are we are primed with with what the character is experiencing what they know what they don't know what they feel and we don't know how yet to express it i'm in the middle of it right now i'm writing a musical with john weidman and it's it's i going. adore him oh he's, he's incredible great. we're having the best time and the, the musical is, again, like Poster Boy, very serious. And uh, we're having a great time. But I'm in the middle of that process right now where I'm full of feeling say it yet. And what happens for the actor is that's the place they have to find their way back to. Even though the, the material has been written already, if you too, the, the actor, can be full of feeling and full of the purpose that you have in, or the, uh, as in the title of the book, the reason to sing, uh, you will oddly be in the same place the writer was. Um, I mean, I am, I am being this character as I'm writing this song, um, and I'm, I'm trying to find a way to express what I'm trying to express. That's what we're always doing. That's what we're always doing. We, you and I have been doing it for the past hour. That's mm -hmm. what we're doing. We're full of feeling. We're full of ideas. And we didn't know before we said these things how to say them. And then we figured it out. Yeah. When did you do that composite video of my students? It was so beautiful. This past week. Oh, it's so beautiful. I'm so glad that you like it. I'm oh, gonna... I, I, I just loved it. I miss, that's what I miss. Uh, I, I, I feel like I'm still teaching because I, having just finished the book and also my writing and my teaching uh, have, have um, overlapped so incredibly. Every song I write, I, I think about what there is for the actor to do. But 
point I'm making is uh, the thing I miss is I miss the people. I miss the, the different communities of, of, of actors that, that filled each class and then how that, I just, I miss you guys. I miss, I miss, uh, I miss seeing you. And I miss, you know what? I've never thrown a party in my life. And every week, four times, I'd have these classes. And I something very often wouldn't be a part of the party, but I'd see that, in fact, people were loving being there and being with each other. And, um, and how important that was and how beautiful it was. And I, I had thrown that party. I, I had sent out the invitations uh, without being a person who knows what the fuck to <laughs> do at any moment in any party for all time, ever. Oh, it was amazing. We would have the best of times, too. I mean, there was a few years that we would all go out after every mm. single class. Really? And um, we were allowed to have a community. I think so many of us came to New York and felt lost. And when we met other people that felt the same way, it helped us build a home. Oh, that's lovely. That's and a so network cool. to support one another. Um you know, and also, you know, meeting your incredible wife, Lisa Brescia, who is, you know, I call her Broadway's darling Lisa Brescia. Uh, the last time I saw her on stage was as the mom, Heidi, in Dear Evan Hansen, and it was just extraordinary. Um, but also, I used to sing River in your class a lot, mm. which is the song that I got hair from. Mm. And I remember when she came to class and singing it and just the amount of love that I got from her. Mm. I mean, I think you two should open up your own country. Just, <laughs> um, but speaking of Lisa, Alan, do we have anything from Lisa that we can show? I think we do. Hey, darling. It's me. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for taking me on as a student 22 years ago for teaching me with so much heart, so much brilliance, and so much generosity. Thank you for using your brilliant mind to help me and hundreds of other artists grow and succeed. And I want to thank you for the ways in which you believed in me and nurtured my talent and gave me solid technique that I could use throughout and I still use. Um, and also, thanks for being my husband. You are the best person in the world and I love you. She's an angel. Oh, she really is. That, that, that was um, in our kitchen, apparently. Oh, not apparently. It was in our kitchen. And um, it's lovely to see her there because she's not there. She's uh, she just headed up to Williamstown to do a, a show for a couple of months. Oh, that's and, marvelous. Uh, Good. Yeah, I'm going up in the middle for a whole bunch of time. But uh, So it's the first long stretch that I will have been alone in this beautiful house. Yeah. Uh, but she is astounding, and uh, I've uh, uh, referred to her, to her a couple of times in the book, and uh, then there are other things in the book that are derived from 
my sessions with Lisa, which were so uh, um, impactful on 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 me, and um, I use her as a reference, though not named, uh, in talking about working on uh, preparation for Alphaba, and uh, that that story is actually about Lisa, where um, before uh, Alphaba sings, the wizard and I. Uh, it's it's a just a wonderful piece of staging because she's actually facing upstage watching Madame Morrible go off stage, and um, then she turns around and says, "Does that did that really just happen?" Um, so she actually has what is a extremely private one second or second and a half where she's facing upstage, and um, what Lisa would do, which she she would think of a moment uh, when she got her first Broadway show, she had had a uh, She'd been in class for about a year, and um, uh, she had had an office job. She'd come to New York when she was 18 um, and gotten an office job, very luckily. Uh, she claims that they, uh, they told her later they gave her the office job because they were just afraid that New York would eat her alive, um, <laughs> and they wanted to take care of her. Anyhow, she kept that job for 10 years, and... and um, she didn't have an agent, uh, and she went to an open call for uh, for uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, the one that played in uh, 2001, and uh, then got, had a thousand callbacks, and uh, she got the show, but she got the call at the office, and the moment of getting that call at the office was that moment with Marble, where suddenly, after a lifetime of not thinking, that she could actually break through or excel or be what anyone wanted. She um, was getting this call that they, they wanted her. Um, so it's uh, that was actually, it, 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 most casting directors, when they do open calls, they, they find one or two people who they think they're discovering. Uh, who, or who they are discovering. And they bring them forward and every once in a while, they, those people actually end up being in the show. Um, usually those people just have their first audition in front of a creative team. Um, but sometimes it works out. And in this, in this case it did, and that was Tara Rubin. And uh, Tara actually then um, was instrumental or part of uh, the team that picked Lisa to do, uh, to do the role of Donna in Mamma Mia for two years. Um, uh, she followed your friend, the one uh, who you did uh, uh, the prom with. Beth. Right, Beth Level. And, um, and she also was instrumental in, uh, or rather on the scene, for the Evan Hansen job. So Tara's office has been great to, uh, to Lisa, and uh, it began with uh, an open call. It often does begin with an yeah. open call, as you know. Um, at, you know, it's how, it's how people get their first job, usually. Well, with mine, I went to the Wicked Open Call, and I had your voice in my head the entire time because I was listening to this line of, like, a hundred really handsome dudes, like, screaming their face off for 16 bars or something in one of those tiny, tiny piece of shit, like, Chelsea Studio Rooms, just super small, and I was like, I'm going to sing Tiny House because that's going to be different. And that's a song that I can connect to. I was going to sing All Good Gifts and be like, ah, 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 
you know? Right. And it was because of that that Stephen Remus and Craig Burns like took a took like a little step back and were like, oh, who are you? This is nice. Nobody's screaming at me. It's oh, just man. a nice little story. How tall are you? Five eight. That's the cutoff. Oh, you man. can come back. I'll bet you were a great buck. Oh, they didn't think so, but my mom and dad did, and that's <laughs> the way with wicked. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it strange how important that is? Yeah, and, and how how weirdly misfired or uneventful it usually is when they come to see you. Um, what was it like for you when they came? It was horrible. I'm I'm very open about it, you know, with people, but it was terrible. I think I think the associates were really afraid of Joe. And yeah. so they would beat us up to no end. With me specifically, I'm five eight and I replaced Logan Lipton, who's like hmm. four foot one. And so they were always screaming at me to bend my knees whenever Ooh. I would stay alive. And it was like, Ooh. it's not funny on me because I'm not Logan, oh. you know? So I made the mistake of making choices oh. and they didn't like that. And it was just, and then of course I spiraled into being like, yeah. that was the year of the twink, you know, when I lost a lot of weight and, you know, but that gave me so much body dysmorphia that I just spiraled. Yes. yes. No, I remember that when you came to audition for me first, um, you know, we were talking about you, and you told me who you had just lost a lot of weight. And um, this, as I was seeing you, this was the only way I had known you. So, and you were, you were speaking about uh, body dysmorphia, and just how, I mean, we all, or rather most of us, walk around thinking, what, what the hell am I? You know, am I anything? And I can imagine if you're in a different body, what that what that must feel like. Yeah, you know, I mean, it still affects me. When it comes to dating, I always go back to, you know, Beauty and the Beast and go, but who could ever learn to love a beast? Um, in a fun way. It's funny. Everybody at home laughed. That was hilarious. How no, dare you? everybody at home thought of themselves because it's what I did. And mm. I thought... Of, of that we all feel that way. And the subjects, or rather the, 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 the particular thing about us that makes us feel like a beast or makes us feel green, in Alphabet's case, we all have it. We all have it. And, and you know, you, you, the, the thing you're speaking about, which is your, your body type, your weight, um, you know, it's something anyone can see. Uh, nobody can see what 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 mine is. You know, uh, I I I grew up uh, where the first thing I ever learned on the planet, I'm positive, was that my mother had no interest whatsoever in who I was, and that my role was to do whatever I could intuit she wanted at any moment. Uh, to make her feel good about herself. And apparently, I must have said, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, there was a baby book written about me. Um, and it, my brother, who was two years older, had had his completely filled out of first word, 
lock of hair, you know. Mine was only filled out for about six pages, and the rest of the book was empty. And on mm. the sixth page, it said, he's more stubborn than Jimmy, but I like him anyway. End of the book. The point being, the stubbornness is the, is the, the will to simply be oneself. And to have that self expressed and heard and known. And then to have the person who has that will and who has those expressions of themselves be known and loved for what they are. It is, by the way, our birthright. And apparently, I stubbornly wouldn't give in and do the other. So she liked me anyway. Um... The point I'm making is that makes me feel like a beast. Hmm. That makes me feel like somebody. How could anybody ever love me? Um, how could anybody ever want this? So you were, you were wondering when you did your thing about the beast why you imagined your audience might not think that was funny. Well, they might not think it's funny for the same reason my story most certainly is not funny. A, a, a tragic tale from the crib, you know, but it's true. And it's, yeah. it's, we all have something that makes us wonder if the thing we are is good, the thing we are is enough. And that runs through the teaching, which yeah. is why I bothered to bring it up. Yeah, you're enough. Not only are you enough, you're fascinating. You are so full of one-of-a-kind stuff that we couldn't possibly imagine. You are a novel that, that is written by a genius of detail and feeling and expression that couldn't possibly be, you couldn't possibly do anything that would equal that by imagining what the audience or the, 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 the director or, or your mother or your, your teacher trying to imagine what they want you to be. That you, you, you are the thing. You are the, the thing that's fascinating, you know? And yeah. the, 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 the mistaken notion that you could make up something that interesting and ornate, you know? I mean, these ogres that you and I know ourselves to be, Josh, these, these brilliant, wonderful ogres who are lovable, but don't ever quite know they are. I mean, that's damn interesting. Yeah. You've turned yours into a profession, so have I. You know? Mm. You know, it, it's what makes you so funny and so sweet and so much a person that we love on sight. And then everything you show us makes us love you more. That's, I feel this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. That's how I feel about you. And, uh, you know, thank you <clears throat> for allowing us to be beautiful, brilliant ogres <laughs> in this life. Um, I could talk to you for hours, but I would say this. You know, you write this in the book, and I think that this is so powerful for all you listeners at home. 
Um, you say, let yourself be caught off guard. Let yourself be excited, intrigued, angry, confused, ecstatic, heartbroken. Let yourself be powerful. And if I could afford it, I'd get all of that tattooed on my body. <laughs> oh, I would feel so responsible for having done that to you. <laughs> Imagine it's all in Chinese. And I'm like, it's just like, it's like, it's like, it's like, Craig, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. For coming on the show. Everybody, please get Craig's new book. The reason to sing. It is extraordinary, and what I love is now you can be in the class with us. Um, so please, do yourself a favor. If you're poor, I'll buy you a copy. Seriously, it's that good. Um, thank you, Craig. I can't wait to continue working with you. I can't wait to continue celebrating you your incredible legacy, your incredible music, and um, your incredible art. And just you as a human, I just love you. Thank you, Josh. I love you back. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the final episode of Season 2 of Josh Swallows Broadway. You're all amazing. Join us at our Patreon at patreon.com slash Josh Swallows Broadway and be a part of season three. That's right, season three. Mm-hmm. Who am I going to swallow next? Um, Craig, I love you. Thank you. And listeners, thank you. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Josh Swallows Broadway is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and myself, Josh Lehman, with associate producer Elizabeth Wheelis. And special thanks to our Patreon producers, David Rimmer and Josh Harris. You can join them. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Josh Swallows Broadway. Leave a rating. Leave a review. I read them. This is how I continue living. Help me live. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for keeping Broadway alive and swallow you soon. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.